Belichick's greatness, NFL Week 13 recap, the Philadelphia Eagles, and some last words. The Valley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, I am your host, Chris LaValley. I hope you all are doing well and staying safe. We're going to kick off this podcast this week, and we kind of talk about Bill Belichick and how he is still the GOAT of coaches. I mean, the, the man needs to have GOAT imprinted on his ledger for all of eternity at this point, for what he's done this season. Now, I warned everybody earlier on, this was couple months ago on this podcast and said I understand Brady's coming out of the gates hot he looks really good so far this season don't write off Bill Belichick don't close the book on who won the divorce definitively because this was going to be the first chapter in a long story because realistically speaking you're only going to get a couple more years of Brady right but Belichick can coach for the next decade plus if he wanted to so just because Tom Brady is no longer in the league in a couple of years does not mean that Bill Belichick has to stop coaching and that he can't prove that he can do it without Brady. The Patriots are 6-6. Six and six. This Patriots roster that has no superstars on it is 6-6. Six and six. How the hell is that possible? They just embarrassed and stomped on the Los Angeles Chargers 45 to nothing. 45 to nothing. The Kansas City Chiefs haven't even beaten a crappy team 45 to nothing this season. So in what world do the New England Patriots beat a team 45 to nothing with relatively no offensive weapons to speak of? That comes down to coaching. 100% coaching. So let's let's take a look at at you know what Belichick has done this season and why we should all marvel at what this man has been able to figure out with this roster. Tom Brady leaves. He's had eight players opt out because of COVID reasons. He loses a top assistant. He loses multiple defensive starters to free agency. He has no stars at wide receiver or tight end. Newton has been dreadful in the quarterback position. They had to change the entire offensive scheme because of how bad Newton was to a power running game, which is something that the Patriots have never been. So that's also a credit to... Sean, uh, excuse me, to McDaniels. And the Patriots did all of this with no preseason. And let, let me just add a little bit more here. There are two plays away from being eight and four. Two plays. One of them was the fumble against Buffalo, which sealed the game for Buffalo. And Cam Newton getting stopped at the goal line against Seattle. They are two plays away from being eight and four. How is that possible? And I'm serious. This isn't a rhetorical question. Like, think about it. How the hell is that possible? This team that has no semblance of stars whatsoever, whether it's on defense or on offense or on special teams, is 6-6. Six and six. I mean, again, it comes down to coaching. On Sunday's game, in this blowout win against the Chargers, Cam Newton threw for 69 yards. He threw for 69 freaking passing yards. Could another coach, seriously, could another coach win games with what he's been given and be 6-6? Six and six? 
you could make an argument for Sean Payton, possibly Andy Reid, maybe Mike Tomlin. But outside of those other three coaches, could anybody else even realistically dream of being 6-6? and Absolutely not. And I don't even know if Sean Payton, Andy Reid, or Mike Tomlin could take a team that is this, I don't want to say awful, but but this kind of run down and beat up to a 6-6 six and six record. Again, that has been depleted eight of their starters on defense before the season even started because they didn't feel safe playing because of COVID. So that means that Bill Belichick took multiple second stringers or maybe even third stringers or practice squad players and turned them into legitimate NFL starters. Again, that comes back to coaching. Let's just look at other coaches in the league who have lost less than Bill Belichick has and have been complete dumpster fires as organizations and as head coaches. Let's look at Philadelphia. Yes, my favorite stomping ground. Philadelphia lost a play caller in Frank Reich. Doug Peterson lost his his buddy, his really his saving grace. And they've been a disaster ever since. They have been. You can't argue it. Doug Peterson has been a disaster of an offensive quote uh, play caller since Frank Reich left. And everyone, again, wanted to give Doug Peterson credit. Clearly, Frank Reich had a lot to do with the success that the Philadelphia Eagles had that Super Bowl winning season. And the Eagles haven't been anything since then. Look at Atlanta. Atlanta as an organization, they lose Kyle Shanahan and they've been a dumpster fire for years. That, that Atlanta Falcons offense hasn't been able to even come close to what it looked like. Even that team as a whole hasn't come close to that Super Bowl appearance a few years back. In a league where head coaching talent has diminished and looks like it's continuing to diminish, because, I mean, look at all, look at all the head coaches that are getting fired this season or that will be getting fired this season. You're going to lose at least... We're going to have at least six or seven head coaching positions that have that are going to get a changeover from this year. Maybe even more. So in a league where, where head coaching is diminishing, Belichick continues to, to show what, <laughs> what it means to be a, a legitimate and great head coach. Yes, like I said before, we've got a few others in Reed, Tomlin, and and Sean Payton, and you could even throw Sean McDermott for what he's been able to do in Buffalo in that conversation as well. But seriously, who else could do what Bill Belichick has done? Because I really don't think anybody else can. And I think it's, it's, it's far time that, that we start really thinking back. And again, this is only the first chapter. This is one season without Tom Brady. But can, can anyone who is, who is a, the, the diest of heart Tom Brady fans and Tom Brady supporters honestly say, even, look, the Patriots, Patriots could lose out the rest of the way, go 6-10. and 10. There, There's a chance for that. But even still, the fact that, that Bill Belichick won six games with this roster is a testament to him. And I really think that, that the hardened Tom Brady supporter out there you're really not going to have a leg to stand on in, in the coming years. Because if Belichick can do this with this roster, what do you think he's going to be able to do once he gets a good quarterback? I mean, he doesn't even need to have talented wide receivers, clearly. 
He doesn't have to have a superstar running back or a superstar tight end. He just needs competent people who can catch the football. And once he actually has an established quarterback back there, which could possibly be Jimmy Garoppolo next season, or Matthew Stafford, or maybe even Matt Ryan, hell, even Aaron Rodgers could go to, to New England. But just imagine Belichick with a legitimate starter. This team could be, I mean, they could have 10 wins so far this season. I mean, if Cam Newton could have, is, is two plays away from bringing this team to 8-4, and four, imagine how good this team could be or how good Belichick's coaching could make a team with a legitimate starting quarterback. It's just, it's one of those things where you, you really can't sit back and say, say to me anymore, realistically speaking, or I don't think you can say to anybody, that Tom Brady is the reason why, or, or is Tom Brady is the major reason why they won six Super Bowls. It's at least 50-50. This season alone has proven that it is at least 50-50. And I think as time goes on, if Belichick continues to do what he's been doing so far, it's going to start trending more towards Bill than it, than it is Tom. Look, maybe Tom makes a Super Bowl run this season. Maybe. I don't think so. Not anymore. I was on the Tom Brady bandwagon. I was waving my pom-poms around for the past few years for Tom Brady. I haven't been shy about it. I've said before, I don't think Tom Brady's done. I still think the Bucks are going to make the playoffs. But from what I've seen, when they play really good, uh, really good competition, the team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a whole, they they just can't put it together. So I don't I don't think the Bucs are going to make a Super Bowl run. But if they were to, okay. So then we have to revisit this conversation. This is what I'm talking about. This is a very fluid conversation about the Belichick versus Brady debate. Who deserves the most credit? But I think right now, as a whole, you have to at least come to grips regardless of how the season ends for either for either of them you have to come to the grips with the fact that this is at least 50 50 but it's at the very least leaning towards bill belichick's greatness nfl corner here uh we got a recap week 13 let's kick it off with the browns and the titans you know look the the browns proved something on sunday they proved that they're not going to luck into the playoffs and that they're a legitimate playoff team. They proved me wrong in the process. I Early on in the season, I said, look, the Browns suck. The Baker Mayfield, I was wrong about Baker Mayfield. I was clearly very wrong about, you know, what this team could be. And they proved me wrong. I mean, look, I had the Browns making the playoffs <laughs> initially. So I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I will say that I, I technically, I guess I was right, but I gave up that right once I once I threw them away, and I did. I threw them away early on. I can't take credit. I'm not jumping back on the bandwagon either. By the way, I, I don't think this team's going to win win a playoff game. I'll say that now, but they they beat a good team in Tennessee. Actually, they dominated a good team in Tennessee. At halftime, it was 38 to seven. 38 to seven. Baker Mayfield threw for three touchdown passes in the first half. Look, now, the Browns <laughs> hilariously then got only scored three points in the second half and almost blew their massive lead to the Titans, who that gave a great comeback in the second half. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, three touchdowns, one interception. That one interception was a tip ball. He threw for 369 yards. But, the, I mean, the story of the game was the fact that that Browns defense shut down Derrick Henry, who dominated my Colts defense the week prior 
Henry had 15 carries for 60 yards. Now, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Browns had such a massive lead. The Titans' only way to actually come back in this football game was to throw the football. But look, Mayfield was excellent in this game. By the way, 334 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, Baker Mayfield hadn't thrown a touchdown pass in, I think it was like the last three games. So everyone who's back on the Baker Mayfield bandwagon, you guys need to pump your brakes again. Because I still don't know if Baker Mayfield is a franchise starter. And, and people do this all the time. Fan bases do this. They, you, because a team wins big and the quarterback played well in one or two or maybe three games total this season, you sit back and you go, well, clearly we have our franchise. I still don't know if Baker Mayfield is the answer. I think Baker Mayfield needs a lot of weapons around him. He needs a lot of things to go right to look good, which is why I'm saying I don't, I, I still think I was wrong about Baker Mayfield overall because I was very bold on Mayfield and I said, look, he's going to come in. He's going to be a superstar in Cleveland. He's going to be the franchise, 100%, no doubt. He's the perfect number one overall draft pick. I don't think I can make that. I don't think I can, I can buy into that. I still don't, I don't know about Mayfield. I don't know if the Browns should re-sign Mayfield. I honestly think the Browns might be better served, maybe not in this draft, actually no, in this draft, to possibly look at drafting a quarterback. Later on, don't pull a Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not saying draft a quarterback obnoxiously early and to try and prove something. Um, even though you prove absolutely nothing except to show that you really don't have faith in your quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that the Browns still should keep their options open at the quarterback position. I'm not 100% sold on Mayfield in the long term. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not 100% sold on Baker Mayfield moving forward. The Giants upset the Seahawks. In Now, I picked the Giants to beat the Seahawks. I did pick that, uh, but I'm still shocked that it happened. I I wasn't expecting, because I didn't know um, Colt McCoy was going to be the starter going into the game. That was my fault. I did not do my due diligence or my homework. I was thinking the Giants were, you know, as close to 100% as they could be. Daniel Jones was going to be starting, not Colt McCoy. Dude, the Seahawks, man, I I think there's an argument to be made that the Seahawks just don't care right now, that they want to be the five seed. Being the five seed, in the NFC playoff picture means that you get to play the winner of the of the NFC East, which could potentially be the Giants, or it's going to be the Washington football team, which I'll touch on them in a moment. Look, I'm not saying that the Seahawks gave up in that game, but maybe they did. Maybe the, in, in the back of Pete Carroll's mind, he's sitting there going, look, who cares? Who cares about winning the NFC West right now? Because the NFC, whoever wins the NFC West is going to be the three seed. They're going to have to face off on a much tougher opponent than the five seed it's just facts so look good for the Giants on the win Seahawks Russell Wilson does not look good I like I can't I can't ignore the fact that that Wilson has regressed the latter half of this season of this season it's just it has not been solid at all whatsoever my my MVP favorite early on this season has just completely fallen apart um, he just doesn't look good. I, there's no there's no way around it. Look, his offensive line sucks. So Wilson's constantly running for his life back there, but he does have weapons, some weapons anyway. 
I mean, Metcalf, Metcalf dropped, dropped quite a few balls, uh, as did Tyler Lockett in this game too. So they didn't really help themselves. But at the end of the day, do I think this is a, a huge loss for Seattle? No, because like I said, being the five seed in the NFC is probably the place you want to be. So Rams beat up on, on the rival Cardinals, 38-28. to 28. Hey, look, the Los Angeles Rams showed up this week. I don't have anything else to say about the Rams because you never know what Rams team is going to to show up. And I'm going to say it right now. Look, this podcast is coming out on Friday. The game is being played Thursday night, which is the Rams-Patriots football game. I'm taking the Patriots, by the way, to upset the Rams, just so we're clear, because I don't believe in the Rams. I'm taking the Patriots. Look, I could be dead wrong about this. Again, you guys are going to be listening to this the day after. You could all be sitting back and laughing your asses off, or you could be sitting there going, hmm, LaValle's onto something. So we'll see how that pans out for me. But I am going to take the Patriots to upset the Rams. Anyway, Cardinals. Man, the Cardinals have completely fallen, and they can't get up. And I'm upset about it. I'm bummed. I I bought in. I said before the season started, the Cardinals were one season away uh, to being true contenders. Kyler Murray came out of the gates firing. I had him as my MVP favorite a few weeks ago. And since that point, they've lost three straight. Kyler Murray has looked so-so, and my Cliff Kingsbury Coach of the Year prediction also went up in flames. Realistically speaking, they haven't played well in four weeks. They're a hail, hail Mary pass against the Bills from being on a four-game losing streak. So the Cardinals just, again, they, they peaked really early this season. I bought into it, and I shouldn't have, and there we go. So... The Cardinals are definitely not going to make the playoffs. The Rams actually decided to show up this week against a rival, and that's what we got in that game. Redskins detour Steelers' perfect season as they beat Pittsburgh 23-17 on the one of the Monday night football games. The earlier of the Monday night football games, I should say. Look, the Steelers, I'm not going to call the Steelers frauds, okay? I'm not. I, I'm not. But I don't think they're the team to I don't think they're the team to fear aside from the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. I actually think that it's the Bills that you should fear. So the ideal AFC championship would be the Bills and the Chiefs. That's obviously not going to happen because the Bills are going to have to, I believe, face off against the Chiefs uh, prior to the AFC championship game. That'll be the, the divisional round game, I think, if if things match up a certain way. But at the end of the day, I just, I don't trust the Steelers. The Steelers have edged out, I think, four or five wins in a one-possession game. So, or within a one-score game, I should say. So, and they've also had one of the easiest schedules. Actually, I think they've had the easiest schedule in the NFL when you look at win percentage and everything else against opponents. So while the Steelers were undefeated and Ben Roethlisberger was looking pretty good, Rich thought that he should be in the MVP conversation. I never bought into that. I think this game showed that the Steelers have a lot of holes. They can't run the football, okay, while their defense is strong. And Ben made some some stupid passes in that football game. Like he should have had two or three interceptions that Washington just dropped, either dropped or they just misplayed. A defensive assignment but there were a couple of times where Ben was throwing not throwing ducks but he was just throwing into double and triple coverage and, and just stupid stupid decision making by him 
So look, I'm I'm not bullish on the Steelers. I don't I don't trust them to be not just the the, the AFC representation in the Super Bowl, but I don't even know. I don't even think they're going to make it to the AFC Championship game. To be quite honest with you, I think they're the team going into the playoffs that's primed to be upset early. Maybe not in the in the wild card round because they may still end up being the one seed and and they may get that that uh, wild card round by. But if they do have to play in the wild card depending on who they're playing, like if they're playing the Titans or they're playing the Colts, I wouldn't be shocked if one of those two teams beat them. Now, if they play the Browns, I think they'll beat the Browns. Like I said, I don't think the Browns are going to win a playoff series. But outside of that, I, I would not be scared to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would be scared, though, to play the, the Buffalo Bills, by the way, who beat up on the 49ers and Josh Allen, four touchdowns, 80% completion percentage in that football game. Josh Allen has been a revelation at the quarterback position. No, he's not in the MVP conversation. He should be. He's, he should be in the top five for the MVP, um, but he's not really in the conversation. Obviously, the conversation is between Rodgers and Mahomes. But, man, what Josh Allen has done over the past couple of years in the NFL has been tremendous. Like, you can't sleep on Buffalo, and you sure as hell can't sleep on Josh Allen. Finally, I want to touch on the... I, I want to touch on on the Washington side of the of the Washington um, Steelers football game. Alex Smith is by far, without question, the comeback player of the year. He may even be the comeback player of the of the decade for what he's been able to do and how and how well he has performed since coming back from that disgustingly gruesome injury has been incredible. Ron Rivera has been awesome. He's just been steady. The man has been going through chemotherapy for his cancer treatments and still made every single game. I mean, that's incredible in and of itself. I'm rooting for Washington. I, I'm, I'm 100% rooting for Washington to win the NFC East. I am on that bandwagon like you wouldn't believe. As soon as I knew Philly was done, I was right on the Washington bandwagon. 100%. Look, you can call me a flip-flop or you can call me a pancake, whatever you want, but... Once I knew that my boy Wentz had no chance of making the playoffs, it was an easy choice to jump on Alex Smith. The, the, just the Alex Smith storyline, I think, is incredible. So the the Washington football team and the Giants, I believe, are tied right now at, at top of the NFC East. Yes, okay, they are they are definitely tied. Um, each team is five and seven. So the remaining four games for each team, I think, is um, is relatively easy. I don't. They they each have a a, t- a tough opponent, and then. Or actually, I take that back. The Giants actually have two tough opponents, um, so I think the Giants are going to go two and two, and Washington is going to go three and one, which will give Washington the advantage. The last four games for the Giants are the Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys. I think they could beat the Cardinals, beat the Cowboys, but I think they're going to lose to the Browns and the Ravens. Washington's last four games are the 49ers, who I think they can beat, Seahawks, who I think they'll lose to, but then it's the Panthers and the Eagles, and I think Washington's better than both football teams. So that's why I believe Washington will outlast the Giants. And look, if, if Washington's able to go three and one over the last four games, if either team could go three and one in the last four games, they'll finish at five hundred, which would be a hell of a lot better than having a sub five hundred football team make the postseason. So, you know, we'll see what happens down the stretch, but I really do. I think Washington has the advantage moving forward and they should be the betting favorite to win the NFC East. <laughs> All right, so part two of NFL Corner. 
I was two and two last week for my week 13 picks. I'm 19, 23 and one overall, which is gross. Uh, my game picks for week 14 are as follows. So I have the Chiefs at the Dolphins is one of the games you should look out for. Look, this is this is going to be a test for, for Miami. We'll see how good Miami is. We'll see if Miami deserves to be considered a wild card or a, a potential playoff team. Uh, look, they're eight and four. They're in the playoff conversation. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're you know they're they're not a fringe playoff team, but depending on how well they play against against the eleven and one Chiefs, I think we'll say a lot for them. Um, so yeah, I, this is going to be an interesting game overall. I, I would like to see I would like to see the Chiefs actually show up though. Look, the Chiefs. I I think it was Colin Cowherd who who said that the Chiefs are like the Golden State Warriors. Uh, back when the Warriors got Kevin Durant, where they kind of just were coasting throughout the season, waiting until the postseason to really step on the gas. And the Chiefs seem to be going through that right now. The fact that they struggled against the Denver Broncos this past week was just, I, I mean, I'm sorry, you you can't argue with me anymore, by the way, that Aaron Rodgers is not the front runner for MVP after the performance he put on against the Eagles, who, yes, the Eagles are awful, but so aren't the Broncos. And Pat Mahomes only scraped, barely scraped by with one touchdown pass. So I'm sorry, you can't make the argument anymore that, that Pat Mahomes is the MVP over Aaron Rodgers. But I would like to see the Kansas City Chiefs actually show up and play a full four quarters because I, I would like to see what the Chiefs have. So, but anyway, I think this is a good game to watch. Cardinals and Giants, look, this is, this is about the NFC East right now. And I think that the Giants... The Giants have a lot of momentum, and that defense, by the way, is pretty damn good. I got to give that Giants defense a lot of credit for what they were able to do against Seattle and what they've been able to do the last few weeks. The Giants defense is coming on strong. Um, I like the Cardinals in this football game, though. I think the Cardinals are going to win. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm not really I'm not ready to give up on Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray or that football team. I'm not. If, if look, if the Cardinals blow this this game against the Giants, then you probably won't hear me talk about the Cardinals the rest of the year. But I I want to believe that Murray and the Cardinals can pull pull out this game. Steelers at Bills is easily the game of the week. I'm gonna take the Buffalo Bills in this football game, mainly because I said that if you're gonna take two teams, if you're going to fear one team over the other, I think you should be feeling fearing. I can't speak this morning, fearing the Buffalo Bills over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm going to take the Bills. Ravens at Browns. I'm taking the Browns, guys. Okay? I know. I know. I've completely flip-flopped on my Browns take. But it's more of the fact that I don't trust the Ravens than I trust the Browns. Let's put it that way. All right? I know the Ravens just came off their big win against Dallas. Give me a break. People, literally, the headline on ESPN was Lamar Jackson shines in game in, in Tuesday night football game against the Cowboys. He threw for 107 yards in a touchdown. 107 yards in a touchdown. Stop. Stop. They beat up on the Cowboys. Stop it. I think the Browns are a better football team. I think they're playing much better football overall than the Baltimore Ravens have been. The Ravens are still in playoff contention, but look, I just like the Browns. The Browns are also at home. So a quick recap, I've got the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Bills, and the Browns winning in Week 14. In my Everything is Stupid segment this week, it's going to be kind of two parts. Um, so the entire thing is encompassing the Philadelphia Eagles. First part's going to be about their sports fans. Second part's going to be about what actually took place on Sunday. All right. So the first part is in regards to a tweet that I put up. So 
after the Packers nominated the Eagles on Sunday, I was I would I had been on the Eagles Twitter, and you would have thought that the Eagles won the football game. By the way, by how everybody was so excited because Jalen Hurts threw a touchdown pass. I'm not joking. They were unbelievably excited because Jalen Hurts threw a touchdown pass. Now, they completely ignored the interception, the terrible interception that Jalen Hurts threw to seal the game for the Packers. But that's okay. That that doesn't fit the narrative that Jalen Hurts is so much better than Carson Wentz. So we gloss over that point, and we just get super excited about the fact that Jalen Hurts threw a touchdown pass. Oh, my God. It was the greatest thing. It was the greatest moment in Philadelphia Eagles history. That's how they. That's literally how they were acting. So I put up a tweet calling Eagles fans Cowboys fans and how I don't ever want to hear Eagles fans complain about how terrible Cowboys fans are anymore because you're celebrating a touchdown pass in a loss. And then got a response back from from some dude who was telling me that I was wrong, that Jalen Hurts was a revelation, and he sparked the Eagles. And his closing was, and I quote, and I'm a Steelers fan. I don't even care about the Eagles, end quote. As if him inserting the fact that he's a Steelers fan all of a sudden gives him complete and and utter objectivity on the topic. If you do that, if that's how you close out arguments is by trying to say that you have the moral authority or the complete and utter objectivity on the subject, because technically you're not a part of it or you're not a part of, of the emotional or the emotional aspects of that argument, you're an idiot. Like that is the dumbest, one of the dumbest things I've ever read on Twitter that somebody used as a way to try and solidify their point. If you're A, the guy's a liar. He's 100% an Eagles fan. If you were really a Steelers fan, what the hell are you doing on Eagles Twitter? Seriously, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you looking up hashtags for Eagles, for Wentz, and for Hurts if you're a Steelers fan? And why would you respond to me within like 60 seconds of my tweet? I'm on Eagles Twitter because I am morally invested, not, excuse me, not morally invested, I'm emotionally invested in what happened with Carson Wentz. I've been the Carson Wentz defender for the last three years. It makes sense for me to be on there makes no sense if you're a Steelers fan. Because I pulled up this dude's profile. He doesn't have a podcast. He doesn't talk sports. Or at least he doesn't talk a lot of sports anyway. So this guy's not exactly doing anything sports-related aside from being an Eagles fan. He can claim to be a Steelers fan all he wants. He's full of shit. But that's besides the point. You closing out an argument by saying... I'm a Steelers fan, as if that's supposed to make me back up and go, whoa, buddy, clearly you know something I don't, or you're seeing something I don't. It's just so stupid. It's so, it's so dumb. Come to an argument. If you're going to start an argument with somebody or you're going to engage with somebody, and this is the problem with Twitter, come to it with some sort of substance, facts, Logic. I know logic's a dangerous word around here nowadays. Anything. If not, A, a I'm, not, I'm never going to respond to this guy because his tweet's not worth my time. It is worth my time to talk about 
in the sense that this is the issue with Twitter. This is what Twitter has, has created. It's created in an echo chamber for morons to go back and forth morally preening about how they can be objective because whatever their reasoning may be. They don't ever have to bring facts. They don't ever have to bring statistics. They don't ever have to bring any type of substance to a debate. They can just morally scream that they're superior to other people because they can be objective about a topic because of whatever their reasoning is. So that must make them right. If you do that, specifically sports, I don't care about politics or anything else right now, specifically sports, if you go to a sports bar or you're hanging out with your friends and you guys are all sports fans and you're yucking it up and you're you're trash talking, you're debating, and your reasoning, like you get so, let's say you have you have a fan, you have an Eagles fan and, I don't know, you have me. Okay, and the Eagles fans, because this is this is realistic. Rich and I argue about this all the time. So Rich and I are arguing about the Jalen Hurts Carson Wentz thing, and one of our other buddy, buddies comes in and says, "Actually, you're wrong to me or to Rich. Doesn't matter who." And I'm a Giants fan, so I mean, you know, I know what I'm talking about here. Like you're wrong because you can't see it because of X, Y, and Z. And, um, and I know this because I'm a Giants fan. So, you know, we would both look at him and say, shut up. Like, you got anything else? You got anything else to add to this? Like something, any, any, tor- any sort of substance? No? Okay, then just go sit in the corner and stop talking. Like, you would be ridiculed, completely laughed out of the room, or just plain old ignored. Bring something to the table. And again, this is what Twitter Twitter has, has created. Nobody knows how to talk to each other anymore. Nobody knows how to actually have a substantive de- debate about anything. Like, this is bigger than just the Eagles and me trolling Eagles fans. Like, this is bigger than that. Like, when you really think of it, and I'm strictly just talking sports here. I'm not even going into anything else. If you actually watch even sports debate shows on television, it's completely changed. It used to be. Like, when First Take first came out over 10 years ago at this point, I think it was like 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, when Skip and and, um, Stephen A. used to go back and forth at each other, were there some emotional and more, and, um, sorry, not moral, I keep saying moral, I don't know why I keep going with moral, some emotional um, debate with certain sports topics sure like skip was a diehard cowboys fan even though he claimed he wasn't when he was at espn and then all of a sudden he goes to fox sports one and then he claims he, and then he admits that he's a cowboys fan but whatever he was a classic cowboys fan at espn so obviously you knew whenever the cowboys were brought up he was going to be a little emotional about it the same thing with with Stephen a when it came to the pittsburgh steelers or the new york knicks whatever it may be like you knew that he was going to be emotional but nine times out of ten they were using facts statistics to back up their claims. Over time, though, as Twitter and social media have developed and kind of really bled into these, these types of debate shows, even the, the people like Skip and, and Stephen A., who used to use facts and statistics to back up their claims, all they do now is just get all emotional about stuff. Like, they don't even use claims. They just talk about, well, I like this player. Well, why do you like this player? Because I do. Or this player is good because I like them. I root for this player. Therefore, they're good. If I don't root for the player, well, then that makes them bad. Like that type of logic. That's 
that's doesn't even make sense. Like, for instance, I mean, Skip Bayless is the easiest is the easiest one to go at because Skip Bayless is a clown at this point. He's he's just become a giant clown. He'll debate that Tom Brady right now is better than Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers because he's done it on his show over the past two weeks. De- well, with a straight face, talk about how Tom Brady is better than Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. And as much as I don't like Shannon Sharp, to Shannon Sharp's credit, he will say, how can you back that up because of, and he'll throw the stats at, at Skip. And Skip will ignore that and just keep talking about nonsense. Keep bringing up past things that, that well, he's a six-time Super Bowl champion. And Shannon's like, well, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Yes, he was a six-time Super Bowl champion. That was years ago. We're talking about right now. What is he doing right now for you to be able to claim that he's the best quarterback in football? That type of stuff. That's what, that's what this, the, the social media has, has turned to bait into is it's all about emotion. It's all about feelings. It's not about stats. It's not about substance. It's, it's just like that tweet that that dude sent me was completely indicative of what we're dealing with nowadays. And it's just, it's beyond stupid. It's ignorant. Again, if you're going to come to a debate or you want to start a debate with somebody, which obviously I love to do, if you're going to come at me, though, you better have some freaking stats and facts to back up your claims. The second part of my Everything is Stupid segment this week, look, I'm not going to call... Uh, the Eagles organization stupid because we all know they are, right? right. I, th- I think we're all on the same page at this point that the organization has done a horrific job with their front office, with their coaching, and figuring out what the hell has been going on with Carson Wentz. Like they've just done an awful job this season. I think that's fair to say. Where I am going to criticize, though, are Eagles fans, 100% Eagles fans. Now, I have been sitting across from and staring across the screen from a diehard Eagles fan who has been saying to me all season long that he is 100% behind Carson Wentz. 100% behind Carson Wentz. And I would argue with him and say, no, you're not. Given your rhetoric, given the fact that at every opportunity you get, you trash Carson Wentz. And look, Rich isn't alone here. I'm not signaling Rich out, and he knows I'm not. So it's not like I have to defend myself. And he and I can debate this on Rich Lala at any point in time. I think he's probably exhausted at this point from debating it with me. But I'm not just calling him out. He's just, to me, he is completely 100% representative of Eagles fans right now. And this is why I'm saying this. As soon as, that, as, soon as it was announced this week, that Peterson was going to make Jalen Hurts the starter, which we all knew was going to happen. As soon as you bench Carson Wentz in the middle of that football game, and especially once they lost that game, Eagles season was over. It's done. They're not going to make the playoffs. They have no chance at this point. The Eagles season is over. It doesn't make any sense for you to go back to Carson Wentz because now he's shot. Like, he is mentally done, and I think he's mentally done with that franchise. Truthfully, I believe Carson Wentz will be traded this offseason. Where he goes, I don't know. I can tell you where I would love for him to go, but I don't know where he's going to go. So Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter. As soon as that was announced, 
and again, Rich is not alone here, but all of a sudden I start seeing things pop up about how Jalen Hurts is going to end up being a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. And all I ask is this, based off of what? What are you basing that statement off of? One game? One game where he threw for one touchdown and one interception. So he had just as many turnovers as he did touchdown passes. So based off of that game alone, you're going to tell me that Jalen Hurts is going to have a better career than Carson Wentz? The mask has now completely come off, everybody. All right? So Richard and all of his ilk, who have been lying and saying that they're Carson Wentz fans, the moment he goes down, they can't wait to pile dirt on top of him and claim that his successor is going to be better than him. Based off of nothing. Nothing. They can't base it off. Don't tell me college because that's bullshit. Because Jalen Hurts got benched in college for Tua. In a national championship game. In the biggest game of Jalen Hurts' life, he got benched for Tua. And Tua turned that game around and won it for Alabama. So go ahead and make that argument. But you're going to lose it to anybody who knows anything about sports. Anybody who's paid attention in college will tell you that Jalen Hurts is not a great quarterback. Jalen Hurts was a sixth-round pick. He was a sixth-round pick talent, I should say. We all know that he wasn't picked in the sixth round. But he was a sixth-round pick talent. And here's the deal. Dan Olofsky made this comment the other day, and he's 100% right. And he said that the organization broke Carson Wentz. And here's how they did it. They drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round after signing Wentz to a long-term deal. They just signed Wentz to a long-term five-year contract the year before. They had just done it. The ink was just dry on that contract, and they turn around and they draft Jalen Hurts. This isn't about drafting a backup, mind you. 100% believe that if Nick Suffelt was not your dude and you knew he was not the guy, look, we need a, we need a backup. Carson does have an injury history. That's totally, totally makes sense to me. I get that. And if Jalen Hurts was your guy, I respect that too. This isn't about Jalen Hurts. Like, this isn't about Jalen Hurts as a backup because I do believe that Jalen Hurts is going to be a great backup in this league. That is what he is, though. He is a backup quarterback. He is not a starter. It's the fact that you drafted him in the second round. He's not a second round talent. Richard and everybody else who likes to defend it and say, well, you know, the Eagles clearly thought that he was going to get taken earlier and they really liked him. Bullshit. There was nothing. I, because Richard was huge on Jalen Hurts going into the draft. Huge on him, talking about how he should go to Dallas. All right? I did my research on Jalen Hurts, meaning that I was reading Yahoo, ESPN, Bleacher Report, and others draft previews on where they thought Jalen Hurts was going to go. There was not one publication that had him going earlier than the fourth round. Not a single one. You can make the argument if there was one or two that said, you know what, you know, he might get taken late in the second round, early third round, and the Eagles were like, look, we're not, we can't we can't risk this. This is our this we believe this is our guy. That's one thing. There was not one guy, not one, that 
that said that Jalen Hurts would go before the fourth round. The majority of them, by the way, said that he was a six-round talent. So that whole, they were afraid he was going to get taken, is nonsense. And it's not based on any type of facts. Okay, so we're just going to cut that argument right out from underneath them. The other thing is, by drafting Jalen Hurts, they allowed these three wide receivers, forget CeeDee Lamb, they allowed these three wide receivers to go. And they had multiple opportunities, mind you, to get a couple of these guys, and they chose not to. DJ Metcalf, how's that going in Seattle, by the way? A.J. Brown, how's that going in Tennessee? He's pretty good, right? Oh, and Chase Claypool. He's been a stud in Pittsburgh. You had the opportunity in the second round to draft one of those three wide receivers, which have made huge differences in those three teams. By the way, those three teams that drafted those quarterbacks, I mean, excuse me, drafted those wide receivers, what do they all have in common? Oh, yeah, that's right. They're going to the playoffs. And where's, where are the Eagles going? Nowhere. Fast. Nowhere fast. The other thing is you have everyone, all these Eagles fans, piling on Wentz, right? So let's look at Carson Wentz's numbers. And you tell me, Atlanta Valley CH on Twitter, you tell me if Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback. Or if, if you've ever heard of a quarterback with these numbers get absolutely destroyed by their fan base. In 2016, his rookie season, he threw for 3,782 yards, completed 62.4% of his passes, threw for 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. In 2017, his second year, this was the year that he would have won the MVP had he not gotten injured, the year that the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. 3,296 yards, 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He, he threw 33 touchdowns through 13 games that season. The Eagles were 11-2. and two. Again, fun fact that nobody likes to talk about. The Eagles were 11-2 and two when he went down. So for the, the revisionist history historians out there who like to talk about how Nick Foles got them to the Super Bowl, Carson Wentz was 11-2 and two before he went down. The following season, he played injured throughout that season again nobody likes to talk about it because you know that doesn't fit the narrative but the dude was injured all all year long it was reported he got through 11 games he completed 69.6 percent of his passes through for 3,000 yards over 3,000 yards 21 touchdowns to seven interceptions during an injury riddled season and then last year he played all 16 games he finished out the season remember he carried that miserable Eagles team to the playoffs single-handedly finished with a nine and seven record 27 touchdowns to seven interceptions and he threw for over 4,000 yards he was also injured last season as well he muscled through got through all 16 games carried them to a playoff uh playoff berth and then this season he was three eight and one as the starter 57.4 percent completion percentage which is awful 2,620 yards, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Look, his numbers this year are not good. They're not good. But this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is the outlier year. Take his rookie year out. Rookie years, to me, they don't mean a whole hell of a lot as long as you don't completely wet the bed. I'm not too worried about you. I mean, Peyton Manning threw for 20 interceptions or something like that in his rookie year. He was awful his rookie year. And now Peyton Manning is 
top five quarterback of all time. So rookie, again, rookie years, as long as you don't completely shit the bed 100%, you're fine. The next, the next four years, he's thrown for more touchdowns and interceptions. He's averaging a 62.7% completion percentage. His overall record as a quarterback, 35-32-1. So he's above 500. And he's thrown for almost 17,000 yards. Oh, and his touchdown to interception ratio throughout his entire season, or his all five of his seasons, 113 touchdowns to 50 interceptions. I, look, I don't know. I, I don't know what more you could possibly want. Oh, he has an 89.2 quarterback rating, by the way. I have never seen a quarterback get so freaking disrespected by a fan base in my life. My entire time watching football and rooting for teams, or not really rooting for teams, rooting for quarterbacks, and I've rooted for a lot of them. I've never seen a quarterback get so disrespected by his own team. You name me another quarterback who's had four years of great numbers and has had one, one subpar year. Remind you, everybody else around him, once again, this season, was injured. Multiple offensive linemen injured. Multiple defense, defensive players injured. He lost two of, two of his best weapons in Zach Ertz and Deshaun Watson. I'm excuse me, not Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson. You tell me another quarterback that's going to be successful two years in a row with everybody else around him falling apart. Not to mention the fact that he had a coach who didn't believe in him, who proved that again with the draft, and the fact that his, his coach never once stuck up for him throughout the season. You tell me who's going to be successful in that type of environment. So you want to listen to Eagles fans, and they're going to sit back, and they're going to tell you that Carson Wentz is trash and he's finished? Okay. Okay. Again, before this year, before this year, again, I'm going to go through 2017 through 2019. 2017, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 2018, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. 2019, with an injury-riddled team, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. This year, again, with an injury-riddled team and no weapons to throw to, 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Look, the turnovers this year were awful. I'm not, I'm not I, you cannot, and I said it last week or two weeks ago, I can't defend Carson Wentz's play this season, but I can look at his resume and defend the fact that I think he's a top five quarterback talent. You can defend that. Again, when I talked earlier in the segment about bringing stats and facts and substance to the table, I am doing that. Let's see if Eagles fans can do that. Sit down with an Eagles fan and ask them to explain to you why Carson Wentz is trash, why he's done, why he's finished in the league after one bad season. One, not two, not three, one. He's had one bad season, folks. Again, that's not what's talked about. That's not what you'll see online. Everyone talks about how the Carson Wentz experiment has been horrendous. It's been a disaster. Really? The guy's taking the Eagles to the playoffs 
two out of his five years. Two out of his four, if you don't include his rookie season. So two out of his four years, two out of his four years, he's taking them, he's taking them to the playoffs. Last year he won the division with next to no no starters on, on that roster. And this season has been a makeshift offensive line. Zach Ertz, Jackson going down. His wide receivers are a joke. None of them can catch the football. He's been sacked. He was the most sacked quarterback in the league this season. Whose fault is that? That's not on Carson Wentz, folks. And if you want to keep listening to Eagles fans tell you it is, knock yourselves out. But unfortunately, the thing about it is Eagles fans can't bring any substance to the table because if they do, if they were to sit down and actually look at the numbers and try and defend their opinion of Jalen Hurts next to these numbers, they would get laughed out of the room. And that's why all you'll get is, well, I just feel that Jalen Hurts is going to be better than Carson Wentz. What a joke. All right, so real quick, last word segment. I just got to talk about Yahoo Fantasy Football, or specifically the Yahoo Fantasy app. It's garbage. 100% garbage. I've never had more issues and gotten worse advice than I have with the Yahoo Fantasy app. So in our Fantasy Football League, Rich talks about all the time on his Rich O's rant. We, we had done ESPN for like 10 years. We had always used ESPN. It was the, the app was awesome. It worked well. Never had any issues with ESPN. I have a bunch of guys in the, in the league who all have Yahoo Fantasy Football leagues that they were a part of as, along with ours. And a lot of them were getting tired of having to swap between ESPN and Yahoo. And it, they made the executive decision last year um, in a vote that they all wanted to use Yahoo. And I had been pushing back against using Yahoo for years because I had heard that Yahoo sucks. And I had had bad luck with Yahoo in the past when I did a baseball, uh, baseball league a few years ago. So, you know, we did. We switched it over to Yahoo. And not only have I been complaining about it, but the same guys who wanted to switch the damn thing have been complaining all season long as well. Now, do they take ownership or onus of the fact that they fucked up? No, of course why would they do that? I mean, you know, heaven forbid they actually admit that they're wrong. Um, but really, if you if you use Yahoo, I'm sorry for you. Like this past week, I was told leading up to the football game, I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire as my he was my first running back that I drafted this season. He had an illness, undisclosed illness. I had been reading up on the reports and reading up on the reports from the from the app, making sure that he was actually going to play Sunday night. Leading up to the game, about a half hour before the game, it was confirmed on the app that he was going to play. He was going to get touches. Great. I'll keep him in my starting lineup. Because if not, I was going to have to go and grab somebody on San Francisco or somebody from another team that was going to play either Monday night or Tuesday. uh, So this way I could get some sort of points. I go to bed, didn't watch the game, wake up the next morning, and I'm puzzled as to why my points have not increased by anything from the night before. I then pull up the app and it tells me after the game, because I looked at the timestamp of when it was written after the game. Oh yeah. Edward Tiller sat out for the game was only going to be used for emergency purposes. 
Never, never, ever, 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 ever did ESPN ever once screw me like that. So as far as I'm concerned, Yahoo is trash. If you use Yahoo, pick a different platform. NFL Network, ESPN, there's plenty of them. DraftKings you could do. Any of them will be better than Yahoo. I, I want nothing to do with Yahoo moving forward, I, at least for football. They have gotten better with baseball, but for football, mm-mm, that app is terrible. It crashes all the damn time. People have told me that they've saved, they've put players in to do swaps from their bench to their starting lineup, and then they turn around and they close it, and they go back on Sunday to check their scores, and Yahoo never made those changes for them. Or they didn't save, like the changes didn't save. So, look, if you use Yahoo Fantasy Football, I would highly recommend, like we're going to, whether the rest of the league likes it or not, we're going to find a new hub for fantasy football in the future. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Soundline Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to check me out on iTunes. Subscribe rate and review while you're there you can check out all the other great podcasts we have for you from the sideline network including drinks with dan richo's rant richo and lala and spaceball and please be sure to check out our good buddy austin spaces pointless 64 season two which is currently available wherever you get your podcasts this season they are doing a bracket for christmas songs it's the holiday season perfect time to debate what is the best ultimate Christmas song of all time? And Austin does just that. He's got two great panelists on with him. Season, excuse me, episode two is currently available. So go on Austin's page. You can go on his Twitter page or his Facebook page, download the bracket, print it out, fill it out for yourself, and then make sure you listen to episode one and episode two and play along. There are six episodes in the season, so you'll be able to listen to it all the way through the holiday season. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. And that's it. That's all I have for you this week. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Be well. Eagles fans, you suck. And I'll talk to you all again soon. <laughs>